So last week we looked, uh, we opened up this whole topic of identity, and we've we've thrown around this phrase, uh, which is discipleship is becoming who Jesus would be if he was you. Okay, we've talked about that phrase a few times before. Uh, I suppose on the understanding that that. I would look at my life and think I spent most of my life feeling like I've been told that I need to be more like Jesus, but thinking I'm not sure I could be that good. Uh, I'm not sure I necessarily identify exactly with his personality. So how do I have to change my personality to become more like him? Sometimes it can be a bit confusing. But when we look at that phrase, discipleship is becoming who Jesus would be if he was you. It's taking everything about you that makes you and saying, if Jesus was in control of what you have to offer to the world, what would it look like? So suddenly that becomes more achievable, becomes something that maybe we could actually do. Um, Because if it's just Jesus being us then we can see how we can improve, we can change, and we could probably maximise more opportunities to to grow ourselves but also make a difference to other people. So if we think about that uh, as a phrase, that's what will guide us through these next seven weeks. Understanding our identity then of, of who we actually are becomes really key to us being able to, to allow Jesus to shape everything about us. So what we talked about last week was we're going to look over the next seven weeks at layers. Uh, Almost, if you've seen the film Shrek, almost the layers of an onion that Donkey talks about in Shrek. And that we are complicated as human beings. We have layers. And as we begin to look at what these different layers look like, there's various layers that are, I would describe them as the kind of public um, outer layers where people can see and understand a bit more about who we are. But then it gets a little bit more hidden, a little bit more, more private as we go further down. And then we end with this core and obviously what, what we looked at last week is that the core of us really, in, in an ideal world, the core is where we know who we are and we're connected um, to Jesus and who he intends us to be, uh, to who God intends us to be. That's, that's where we're going to end the series, looking at the core. Um, so we're starting on the outer layers and working our way in. So today, the first outer layer that we're looking at, I've described, and, and please bear in mind, I'm not, I've not got a degree, I'm not learned, I've not read a book about this. This is just um, kind of a lots of, of wondering and kind of praying and thinking around this whole topic. So the first layer we're going to look at, the outermost layer, I've described as preference, perception and comparison. Okay, so we'll go for a little kind of walk through that today of understanding what what those elements mean for our outer layer. So preference, let's start off with that, the outermost layer of our identity. It says here, the topmost layer of who you are is defined by the elements that become clearly public. So it's things like our likes, our dislikes, our interests, the things we like to avoid, all best described in this term, our preferences. So if I was to quickly go around the room, and I'm going to do it, um, um, quickly go around the room and say, if you had to have a pizza, what would be your favourite topping? Um, Alice. Margarita. Margarita, okay. (laughs) Ham, mushroom, and red onion. Okay, ooh. Vegetarian. Vegetarian. A meaty one. A meaty one. Uh, Pepperoni. Pepperoni, as it's going to say, all the meats. <laughs> all, all. Stuffed crust. Stuffed crust, yeah. Stuffed crust with all the meats available in the world. <laughs> Pepperoni. Pepperoni. Vegetarian. Vegetarian. Lots of cheese and tomato. Oh, good. And I would be. Oh. 
Difficult. I should have thought that. Did you that, think you were an answer? No. <laughs> Sometimes it's Texas barbecue, but often I would be disappointed mm-hmm. if there wasn't more meat. So lots of meat, maybe with some barbecue. Um, so it's funny, isn't it? You go around and you say, okay, uh, what do we like? Uh, it's different for every single person, um, but automatically there's alignment. Some people look at each other and go, I could be friends with you. We both like pepperoni. Quickly going around the room in the opposite direction. Um, tell, me some, tell me a food that you uh, dislike that you wouldn't want, to, uh, wouldn't want to touch. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Blue Stilton cheese. Oh, I love that. Lynn, we can't be friends. <laughs> it's one of my favourites. Try <laughs> Tripe. <laughs> uh, raw celery. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've never really got on with liver. Liver? <laughs> Licorice. Licorice. Sure. Kidney. Celery. <laughs> Blue cheese. Basically, Sean is everyone's friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying celery, blue cheese, um, liver. Yeah, no. Nuts as well. Nuts. But I like peanut butter. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> celery. Celery. Yeah. See, I align with you on the celery. Mushrooms for me as well. Sorry, guys. Oh, I know yeah. a lot of people like them. Mushrooms. Game Can't over. No. See, Lizzie, that's going to make it difficult for us <laughs> to pursue friendship and connection. But it's interesting, isn't it? The moment you start talking about preferences, what you like and what you dislike, uh, I'm not going to go around and ask people about interests or things that we avoid, but, but it all happens on this same level. It's all quite surface. None of it kind of... You're not going to lose friends over the fact that one of you likes celery and one of you doesn't. I mean, if they're, like, close to you and they're breathing on you with celery breath, then maybe that is going to compromise things. <laughs> but if you're friends, you can tell them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then if they don't stop, you could just choose to never see them again. <laughs> um, it's simple. Um, but, but it's interesting, isn't it? Our preferences, the things that we like and dislike and the way that we decide to operate, it does influence that very most... So it's, it's not, there's, no, there's not much depth to it, but it, it does define a little bit about who we are. It shapes some of the decisions that we make. Um, and when we talk about interests and things that we avoid, it does begin to have an impact on the places that we find ourselves and the way that we begin to operate. operate. But the great thing with preferences is it shows diversity and uniqueness. That as we, as we go around the room and different people say different things, sometimes someone will come up with a real curveball of something that they like and maybe they're the only person in the room that likes that uh, or that's experienced that or, or that is, is excited by that particular thing. But, but in a way, diversity and uniqueness is, is what's brilliant. If we went around the room now and said, what's your favourite pizza topping? And everyone just went, cheese and tomato. Man be a bland room if every single person wanted exactly the same thing it's fine if people want that but what we like and what we need to get to the point of celebrating is the diversity and the uniqueness of every single person that someone will love cheese and tomatoes someone will love um, all the meats and it's it's part of what makes it great to be a human being the fact that we are all different and we read in the bible 1 corinthians 12 
verses 14 to 18 says this yes the body has many different parts not just one part if the foot says i am not part of the body because i am not a hand that does not make it any less part of the body and if the ear says i am not part of the body because i'm not an eye would it make it any less part of the body if the whole body were an eye how would you hear or if the whole body were an ear how would you smell anything but our bodies have many parts and god has put each part just where he wants it so when we begin to think about our identity we begin to understand that that uniqueness that diversity that those preferences that you have are really vital to you being who you've called to be. So when we're thinking about how to become more like Jesus, it's not dumbing down your preferences so that everyone aligns on the things that they like and dislike. It's not about that. It's about taking those things and saying, actually, these are just some simple elements, some surface elements that make me who I am today. But if we shift on to, to think about uh, that's preferences, that's the kind of surface level of different things, the, the things that make you who you are, uh, the decisions that you make, the things that you like and you dislike. If we then move on to think about, um, I suppose, the, these other elements of, of perception and comparison, if your preferences begin to define something about you... Um, there's levels that that can go to okay and and as we begin to think i like this or i dislike that sometimes we do find that there is either alignment with other people or sometimes disconnection with other people depending on our preferences and often uh, it comes down to uh, to value okay and when you t- when you think back to that passage in 1 Corinthians where it talks about um, it talks about different parts of the body all parts being important and if all the parts were the same it wouldn't be able to do certain functions but the problem is in that passage it also says um, if the foot says I'm not part of the body because I'm not hand sometimes it feels in life that because our preferences and our our ways of operating the things that we want to do sometimes we look at it and go do you know what sometimes i feel that what i have to offer or what i bring to the table isn't quite as valuable as what other people are doing so the foot might say i'm not important because i'm not hand we can sometimes say well i'm not important because i can't do this this and this whereas these other people can so obviously they're more vital uh, to this thing that passage clearly turns that on its head and says actually no every single part of the body is is important and without it the body would be lacking something and would be struggling but that's the reality for us when we begin to think about our preferences the things that we like and dislike and what that makes us and who that makes us we can sometimes struggle um to feel um like what we have to offer is that is of value to people um, and that can be a, a challenge on our identity and a bit of a struggle for us to get ahead around and that feeling is often driven by our perception okay our perception of uh, of two things i suppose what we think about what we have to offer is it valuable what we have and and who we are Uh, but also our perception of what others might think so do we look at our lives and who we are and what we have to offer and say other people won't think that that's important or won't value what I have to offer? So it's this kind of um, slightly, slightly tricky thing to balance what other people think and what we think of ourselves. Um, 
and our value is often driven by that perception, but also then the the kind of complexity of of comparison. That when you begin to compare what you have with what other people have, um, it then becomes even more tricky. That you wonder, um, you think that what you've got might not be that valuable. Other people might not value it, and then you look at what other people are doing, and your perception of them is that wow they've got everything and and my offer is insignificant in comparison to them and that's one of the problems with today's society what we what we often look at in other people's lives and how we compare ourselves to other people what we assume about others is often greater than the reality of what what their life is actually like but the question is how do we view other people this is the, the the tricky thing because often when we look at other people's lives, whether we're just bumping into them in different settings or whether it's social media, what it might, whatever it might be, there's some really easy assumptions for us to make. So we can look at other people's lives and say um, that maybe someone's got a nicer house than we've got or they've got a better car than we've got or that they might be having more fun than we're having in our lives. We might look at them and say, it appears to me from my perception that they have better relationships than I do. It might be that you look at it and go, they've they've got more money than me, or that they have more adventure in the way that they do their lives, um, or that there's less conflict in the way they operate. There's less conflict in their relationships and their connections with other people. Maybe it's that they have more connections with other people. Uh, Or maybe that you look at other people and say they just seem to have more satisfaction overall in the way that life works. And, And that's the problem. When we decide to view what's going on with other people, we're working at this very outermost layer. We're looking at preferences, at the kind of things we like and dislike, but really we're looking at perception of what other people's lives look like and we're falling sometimes into this trap of comparison. So this whole outer layer becomes, it's not deep, but it becomes something that really um, affects who we are and how we feel because we're asking ourselves all of these kind of things. But our perception of what is happening for others is often what destroys the value of what we have to offer. So as we look at everything else and look at who people are, what they're saying about other people, how they're valuing other people in their lives, if we feel isolated or disconnected or forgotten or rejected, it's really easy for us then to completely devalue who we are and what we have to offer because we don't feel like we are as good as other people. So you can see how our value really is affected by our perception and our kind of wonderings about what's going on in people's lives. Um, Theodore Roosevelt um, says this comparison is the thief of joy and sometimes that's the case Um, and especially nowadays you look at social media and what social media done is it is created an epidemic of comparison because the whole system of social media is we choose and and this is the ridiculous thing if 15 years ago someone had said to you do you know what I think I'm I think I'm going to set up like a mini site that's basically going to be just bear with me it's it's just all going to be about me 
And on this mini site, I'm just going to tell people each day how I'm feeling. I might post pictures of, of what I'm doing, what I'm eating that day. Um, and I might post pictures of where I've been. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell people what I like. And I'm going to, I'm just going to project everything that I think onto the world. If 15 years ago, someone had told you that that would be the way, um, you were going to, that, that someone was going to operate in that way, you'd turn around and go, you absolute weirdo. Like what, you're a narcissist. Why would anyone be interested in, in knowing everything about you as a particular individual? But the strange thing is, society has shifted in groups to say, actually, this is now acceptable. That, that we all have these, well, not everyone, but lots of people have these mini sites, uh, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, whatever it might be, um, where we decide to project an image of ourselves we, do, we decide to project that to other people and invite people to come and um look into our lives which is is such a, when, you, when you stop and, and look at it for what it actually is it's a really bizarre concept but what that's done the byproduct of that is it's then made everyone compare each other's mini sites and projection and presentation of themselves and say okay well this is what i do on a daily basis um what what do they do and you find people that are kind of jumping around looking at other people's lives and scenarios and often feeling um feeling more dejected and disappointed because in comparison they feel that their life is a bit dull um, and, and the, the, the strange thing is it's, it's much more complicated than that Stephen Furtick, the guy who leaves Elevation Church um, spoke about this stuff about insecurity um, and he, it, one of the quotes from, from his talk was this he says this the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel because the problem is you can't escape the reality of what your life actually looks like that you may take a picture on Instagram or put a Facebook on status uh, a, a status on Facebook um, you may put something like that out there and present that to the world but you know that that is uh, a kind of split second of your life that you've decided to show to everyone else and it's probably one of the, the best bits one of the highlight bits so that's what you presented but the reality of everything else behind that is you know that um, it might have taken you five or six attempts to take that photo. <coughs> um, and that actually, uh, especially with kids, I look at when people just show pictures of their kids and it just you sometimes look at people's Facebook and go, wow, they're having so much fun. But what you don't see is the fact that there's been meltdowns, there's been anger, there's been scraps, there's been scratching and fighting either side of the picture. But that one moment has captured the perfect image that makes it look like they're the perfect family. But what you see as the, as the photographer is that's what my life is like. And actually, I know it's not perfect. Um, and you're seeing the whole behind the scenes. Whereas what everyone else sees is just this, this filtered kind of perfect version of it. And that's the problem that studies have shown. I've not got any actual stats here, but I've, I've read a few articles where studies have, so, have shown that, that mental health problems and depression and all this kind of stuff are heightened when people are regularly accessing social media and getting into this trap of comparing what their life is like with everyone else. So when we think about the Roosevelt quote, comparison is the thief of joy, it doesn't matter sometimes how well your life may, might be going when you look at something on Facebook or, or you look at, even if it's not anything to do with social media, you, you, make, you perceive and you make assumptions about other people's lives 
sometimes that can be the thing that really devalues who we are and what we've got to offer um, and robs us of the joy of what might actually be our reality. Now, for some people, they're not caught up anywhere near in the trap of some of these these, um, things of comparison. But we all experience it in some ways, whether it's kind of someone's just bought an amazing new house and you go around to look at it and, yeah, you're really excited for them, but there's also that slight element of envy in you (laughs) that you just go, I'd love to have a house like this. Do you know what I mean? Those, Those kind of things can be a reality for all of us and I suppose what we find is we we have to learn to fight that temptation to get caught in the the world of comparison because the reality is what we perceive of people is often not the reality for them if we looked if all we could see was everyone's behind the scenes I think we'd just laugh at each other and we'd go yeah I've been there I know exactly what you feel um because that's the reality and that's I suppose where we have a chance to say do we want to live a a presented life Uh, do we want our preferences our perception and comparison layer do we want that to be polished filtered and perfect so that what people see of us is hey that they've got it all together or do we actually want to be people who are a bit gritty a bit real and a bit honest and vulnerable about actually um this is how it it works in reality for us, and that's not very. Um, that's not a very popular way of doing it. I, I mentioned it a, a, a month or so ago. We we did this little mini campaign about two or three years ago called Twenty One Days of Normal, and it was my reaction to getting fed up with. It's when Instagram was was kind of new, and everyone had learned that they could filter their photos. So it meant that even the most boring photo of a plug socket could look quite beautiful because you put a really nice filter on it and you, you maybe you blurred the edges and um, you, you just made it look really arty. You'd just be like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a really lovely photo. Yeah, it's, it's just a plug. Um, but, but you could do that. And the problem is, it's amazing that you can do that, but when everything then becomes filtered and enhanced and changed and altered so that it looks... Um, more dramatic and more spectacular than it is in reality if that's how we decide to present our lives it's not actually helping people with this comparison game and and we did this thing 21 days of normal and it was really interesting because so many people um like quite hilariously got on board with it and we had a real laugh about it so people would show um the fact that they had done the washing up uh, and they'd gone to bed and there was still a pile of washing up there it's not the kind it wasn't the normal stuff you see on Facebook um, it might be that you needed to sort of washing out and there's this humongous pile of really um, of really messy washing um, it might be you, um, a picture of your kids um, drawing on something that they shouldn't draw on it, rather than us showing the polished version it was showing the behind the scenes it's funny because we got some real negative reaction from people who just basically went I don't want to see any of that I just want to see success and celebration and positive things. That's not what this is for. And I was just like, <laughs> but it is, because if all we're going to do is show the best, then we're, we're living a bit of a lie, because 99% of our lives is not what we're showing on there. So we've got a little bit of negativity, but also we got some quite amazing feedback from people who said, I've spent my last six months feeling depressed about who I am, about the fact that my kids don't behave very well, and that my house is a mess, and uh, and I just can't keep on top of it. But seeing the fact that other people 
have uh, have a life that is similar to mine has completely made me feel like I'm okay and that I'm accepted and and that I'm just normal that 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 it kind of did exactly what we wanted it to because people felt and two two people got in touch and just said you don't know how much this has dragged me out of a uh, a pit of of depression really they were saying because they would look at the fact that people had gone on this amazing holiday um, and they were sat there kind of in rainy old Lincoln and depressed that they couldn't afford to go on that kind of holiday um, and it's, that, it's those kind of things you sit there and go actually most of us are in that boat um, but it was interesting how some people really resisted that um, and other people really embraced it but it's because it's important to live our lives honestly and with with a real kind of dose of reality um, to do that and I think that that's why we need to be people who who learn to fight that that temptation to get caught in the world of comparing our lives with everyone else and there's a few statements we need to accept I think in all of this when we think about our identity especially this out, this outer layer um, we need to know that who you are or who we are is enough who you are as an individual is enough. Can we do better? Absolutely. We can do so much better probably than we are doing. So it's not a case of saying, sit back and relax, don't worry about it, don't try and do anything because who you are is enough. We can always do better. And I think there's something about, there's something inbuilt in us where when we, when we kind of um, try and do better in life and try and improve and try and make a difference to other people, we feel better as well so so can we do better absolutely um but it's that case of getting this balance of let's keep let's keep trying to fight this this temptation to compare (coughs) but at the same time we need to embrace what makes us unique what makes us different and what sets us apart from other people so your outermost layer of identity provides you um i suppose when you look at your preferences and all those kind of things it provides you provides you with your initial opportunity to connect with other people to uh, build relationships uh, and make an impact. Uh, and it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes you can have a conversation with someone where um, you've watched a bizarre programme on TV and someone else goes, oh, I saw that. In that instant, there's this connection. It's just preferences, it's just likes, it's just interests. Um, but in that moment, when you've both watched something that's the same that was on the, was on um, BBC4 and you didn't realize anyone else watched BBC4 and uh, you, you both watched it suddenly there's this connection this opportunity for you to relate and, uh, and build relationships with someone else because this common ground that, that kind of joins you and connects with and connects you and that can be any kind of interest or any like or any preference that joins you with someone else and what this outer layer does is it gives us that opportunity to begin to connect with other people and to begin to build relationships to begin to um to strengthen that connection with others because we're joined by likes uh, and uh, maybe dislikes or interests uh, things that you want to avoid whenever we find those things it becomes the simplest way of relationships forming and building um, and that's that then becomes our opportunity to to begin to make an impact um, and and ultimately i suppose if if we're going to be um, who Jesus would be if he was us, it becomes about understanding how would Jesus make an impact on other people's lives if he was sat in your body 
and and your preferences, your likes and your interests, and all these kind of things, they're not uh, things that you have to change. They're things that actually, if you understand, this is just who I am, as quirky as it might be, and as different as it might be. Um, what it does is it opens you up to connect with people that other people could never connect with. And I always used to used to think about this to do with evangelism. People would often turn around and say, oh, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not confident, I could never get up and share my faith and talk about anything like that. It's not about that. Those kind of things is about understanding that the quietest person can connect with people who I could never connect with because their way of being able to connect with them and, and align with them and understand each other... Um, it, it, you can reach people that I could never reach because it's about it's about preferences, it's about style, it's about interests, it's about your way of communicating, your way of operating and delivering. And we've all got a role to play in that. So we can never say, oh, this outer layer of, of preferences, um, perception, comparison, all this kind of stuff... We, we can never devalue it and say, oh, it doesn't really matter. Because this is the, the first thing that people see when they, will, when they will meet with you. In those initial conversations, that small talk, you begin to get that opportunity um, to connect. So there's two things, finally, that we want to consider. Um, I suppose this is, this is something that we're going to unpack as we go further down into some of the weeks. The two things to consider when we're thinking about preference, perception and comparison. The first thing is this, no one is better than you, okay? No one is better than you. And the second thing to consider is that you are better than no one, right? We need to understand that both of these statements are exactly true, that when we're caught in a world of comparison, we look at it and go, everyone's life is better than mine. But sometimes we get caught on the other side of almost smugness of saying, oh, well, when I look at that person begging on the street, I'm so much better than them because I've got this, this, this and this and this. In actual fact, the core of who we are, no one is better than you. So if you're feeling down or insecure, that's what you need to hear today. No one is better than you. If you're feeling quite chilled, laid back and, and kind of in a position where you're looking at it going, oh, well, obviously I'm better than these people because I've got a job or I've got this car, or I've got this kind of house, then, then if that's the, the place we sit in, we need to understand that statement. You are better than no one. There's, there's nothing that actually makes you a better person than no one. You might have more things, you might have more skills in certain ways, but actually at the core of it, it's, it's, that's the reality. No one is better than you and you are better than no one. And if we can begin to get an understanding of that being the reality, the balance that we hold, then we value everyone in the same way. We see the potential and, and the, um, the, the core of every single person and the way we operate with them, the way we communicate with them changes. That's why someone who's homeless on the street shouldn't be kind of kicked into the gutter and ignored because they are someone's son and someone's daughter. They're, they are still a child of God. And in those kind of settings, you've got to think, actually, am I just going to devalue them and say, you, you're, I've got no interest in you because you're, you're so much worse than me or we're just in different worlds. Yeah, you might be in different worlds, but, but actually, who are they? They're still someone of, of, of ultimate value. And, and I remember Han a few years ago, 
having this real revelation that when she was really frustrated and upset and struggling with um, with some some people and some relationships, she ended up saying um, that she really felt like God was saying whenever it, whenever he thought about that person that she was cross with, that God would say, yeah, I understand what you're saying, I understand how you're feeling, but you need to know I'm especially fond of that person. Um, and when you look at it like that, you go, man, like... We've got to, we've got to begin to filter in the most positive way. Um, our our kind of perception and understanding and connection with other people to really see them for who God uh, sees them to be, and that's the way um, things begin to be transformed. One final passage for you to finish: Romans twelve. Um, verses 3 to 5 says this because of the privilege and authority God has given me this is Paul talking to the church in Rome because of the privilege and authority God has given me I give each of you this warning don't think you are better than you really are be honest in your evaluation of yourselves measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function so it is with Christ's body we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other so that's what it's all about understanding that we've all got a role to play we've all got value that the the temptation and the epidemic of comparison um is a crippling one but if we can begin to fight that and say actually um when i begin to understand the core of who i am that i'm a child of god and god loves me uh, and he's especially fond of me. When we begin to function from that place, it begins to change every single layer. And what we're doing, obviously, we're working from the outer layers into the core. But but let's embrace those things that make us who we are. Let's embrace the likes, the dislikes. Let's utilise those connections that we make with someone else when they go, oh, you watched that as well, brilliant. You have a laugh about it. Did you see it this week? Oh, it's amazing. That, that buzz and excitement that you get from connecting with other people, whatever it is that connects you, celebrate that stuff uh, and think about actually how might God be using my preferences to be able to um, impact someone else's life. If Jesus was in my body now, what would he do with this opportunity to connect? So there's value in your preferences. Um, but let's be careful of our perception and be careful of, of falling into the trap of, of being robbed of our joy um, through getting stuck in comparison. Let's pray. Father God, thank you um, that you love us, that when we choose to connect with you, that that becomes the core of who we are. And God, I pray that that with all the distractions that we experience in the world nowadays, that that kind of voice of you reminding us who we are and you telling us that you love us won't be dimmed too much by the distractions of, of what we see on a daily basis. I pray that we would be people who can stand strong and fight the temptation to get stuck in comparison, but actually be people who really begin to, to value and celebrate and embrace the preferences that make us who we are today. So God, just strengthen us. And I pray that, that we have a spring in our step this week as we begin to realise that you can work through all of these things uh, that make us who we are. So just be with us today. Amen. Amen.